episode 85 of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. In this episode, I talk with Kyle Keese, strength conditioning and safeties coach at Denton Geyer High School in Denton, Texas. Coach Keese was featured in episode 64 talking about in-season football strength programming. Make sure to check out that episode to dive deeper into his thought process for that, along with Coach Monty Sparkman and Coach Johnson. In Coach Keese's solo episode, we talk about his journey into coaching and strength conditioning, being known for implementing the grid, chasing state championships, establishing relationships, creating a sense of urgency, and building the Geyer culture. Kyle Keese is an outstanding coach and developer of athletes and coaches. If you are wanting to talk about strength conditioning, the grid, or football, I suggest following Coach Keese on Twitter, at Kyle Keese. Before we jump into today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at HWCN Podcast and share this episode or any episode that you find value in. If you're in the Dallas area and are looking for some fantastic custom cookies that look almost too good to eat, check out Texas Treaties. Podcast listeners can use a special 10% off promo using the code PODCAST at checkout. The link to order will be in the show notes. Are you trying to step up your menswear game? Then Etiquette Dawn is the best choice. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you looking like a sharp-dressed man. Check out www.etiquettedawncustomapparel.com for more information. When you need a coffee that works as hard as you do or is as strong as your squat bench, deadlift, clean, or snatch, then I suggest checking out Viking Coffee Company. Podcast listeners, use the code COFFEEWITHNOONAN for a 10% discount on single purchases, not subscriptions. Check out vikingcoffeeco.com for more details and to order the official coffee of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Drink coffee, work hard. If you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room and or locker room sanitized, check out Xanago Sprayer. Bacteria can grow anywhere. The Freedom Sprayer goes with you so you can keep your athletes protected wherever you go. Now, let's get into today's episode with Coach Kyle Keese. Today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the grid master himself, strength conditioning coach and football coach at Denton Geyer High School. Uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. State champion Denton Geyer High School, Coach Kyle Keese. Kyle, man, I appreciate it. Happy to have you on. Happy to let you have your solo episode. Uh, I know, I know at least one other person's as fired up as I am, and that's our and that's our mutual friend Monty Sparkman. So, you know, if nobody yeah. else listened to this, you know, Monty will. Yeah, he'll critique me later. <laughs> <clears throat> so, well, what's, I appreciate, it, man. Thanks for ahead. having me on. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know you. You were part of the in-season programming episode with Monty and uh, with Coach Johnson. I believe right now you guys are still the number one episode uh, most listened to. Um, so congratulations on that, man. I don't know where that ranks in terms of, you know, three high school state championships, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it, it, we'll find a way to put that on the wall of fame. Anytime you'd be on a podcast with those two, man, it's it's an honor. No doubt, no doubt. Well, let's let's kind of rewind a little bit. Let's let's kind of let people know your story in terms of uh, how you got to where you're at, and then we'll kind of spin it forward. Okay. Well, it, like I tell a lot of people, it's nothing flashy. Um, 
I graduated from Charlton State University in 2006. Uh, I followed my high school football coach to a new school at Denton Geyer. Had no idea what I was getting into. Um, when I first got the job in 06, I started out at one of the feeder schools, uh, kind of a middle school. And uh, I worked there till about the nearly, nearly the end of the spring of 07. And uh, one of the coaches from, from Geyer had actually moved on. So Coach Walsh had reached out to me about moving up. So me and one of my good friends, uh, Brian Keggins, who's now at uh, USC, uh, we moved up to, to Geyer together. And, you know, if it wasn't for Brian, I don't think I would have ever got into deep into strength conditioning like I am now. But uh, we kind of began this journey together. Um, it really took off uh, probably 2008. Uh, we went down to LSU to go visit Tommy Moffitt. And, you know, I was always passionate about strength and conditioning, but there was just something about being in that environment. And, you know, Coach Moffitt, <laughs> as big as a person as he is in the strength and conditioning realm, you know, he, they got done with training and he spent six to seven hours that day just talking to Brian and I. And, and it meant the world to me. I learned a lot that day. And ever since that day, my, like, my fire was lit. Um, I knew this was my passion. This knew what I wanted to do. And, and it's been, it's been great since then. I've been a guy the whole time since 06 or 07 and, and it's a great place to be. No doubt, man. And, and, you know, you guys have done some amazing things there. Uh, you're one of the premier programs in the state of Texas. Um, you know, when people talk about high school football and, and places that do it right, um, you know, people bring up Ditton Guy and they bring up what you do there. Um, what do you think are some of the biggest things that you took from your time with Coach Moffitt that you immediately were like, we've got to implement at Geyer? Like right now, you know, when we get back, we got to get this going. You know, it really had nothing to do with strength conditioning. It was, it was about relationships. And it's kind of been the cornerstone of everything that we've done at Geyer. And what I've done is I've, I've tried to be as a coach is, you know, sets and reps, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat and everybody's got their way. They do sets and reps and sprint work and conditioning, all that stuff. But, you know, it really doesn't matter that you're in the business of buying into people. And and if you don't buy into the, the athletes that you train, then, you know, it doesn't really matter what type of program you run. But, man, he was – he knows all of his kids by names. Uh, he had a story about every kid. and uh, it, That whole meeting had nothing to do really with just just – you know, strength conditioning, more about just building relationships. So, you know, you think about a place like LSU and the elite level that they are, right? And then, you know, the kind of athletes that they have, you guys have had some legitimate, you know, we call them power five guys now, you know, it used to be just the the FBS or, or your true division one type guys at Geyer. But for every one, you know, elite level guy, you're going to have two or three guys that are not that four or five star big name program type. So how do you get those guys to continue to buy into what you guys are trying to accomplish? Um, because I think every program, you know, the, the good ones, the really good ones and even the great ones have 
the water burger eaters, right? They, they're, yeah. they're along for the ride, right. <laughs> um, you know, and, and it's a challenge for every program. Um, so I, and I, I would assume, you know, it's no different at Gaia, you, you know, you have those, you have those guys that aren't necessarily rowing. They're either not rowing with everybody, you know, in terms of just sitting in the boat or they're potentially actively trying to buck the, the tide and, 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 you know, and just kind of be stick out like a sore thumb. So how do you work with those kids, um, you know, to, to get them to buy in or, or just simply find the way to weed themselves out? All right. So it's kind of funny you brought that up. I actually had this conversation with somebody else about this exact topic uh, not too long ago. And they brought up, you know, you know, Guyer is known for we're all we've we produce quite a bit of Division One athletes year in and year out. Like you'll see us up there with Duncanville, you'll see us up there with uh, uh, Allen, you know, big time name football. But we're also producing Division One athletes. But you know, the great thing about Guyer, it doesn't necessarily have to do with with the coaches or me that those kids that are Division One. They're, they're amazing kids. Uh, they work hard. We don't have too many divas. You know, that can be kind of corrosive to your culture. But um, I think those kids, if they go, the whole program goes. And if they work their tails off, everybody follows. So, you know, that's kind of the form in the, in the foremost is that those Division One guys set the standard. Uh, that makes it easy. Uh, but as far as, like, you know, the same conversation I was having with somebody, you know, I brought up that it's to me what I take pride in. It's not the Division One athletes that make us special because that they make the job easy. Right? They do some magnificent things and make you look good as a coach. But it's the kids that nobody knows about that comes up through our system. Uh, you know, I, one kid, for instance, I'll bring his name up, Jaden Powell this year. Um, man, I can remember him coming through our little football camps as a little bitty kid, and man, he he bleeds black and silver and. He, he contributed on the freshman team. He contributed a little bit as a sophomore or JV teams. You know, he didn't contribute a whole lot as a junior, maybe some special teams. He might have been a junior. I can remember on, on JV, but, man, he, he just stayed with the process, bought into the process, and, man, he was consistent day in and day out. And by the time he was a senior, he started Sam Backup for us. And he was first-team all-district selection, and he was a stud for us. And – you know, an old story I can tell you about. Uh, I learned a lesson forever. Probably back in 2015, 2014, we had two twins coming to our program. And I remember seeing them on day one and thinking, there's no way in this world these two kids can help us ever. They were scrawny, looked unathletic. I was like, already categorized them. Like, they're not going to help. They're not going to be around long. And those two kids worked their tail off, showed up every single day. And a very similar story to Jaden, man. They just they're a testament to the system and the, and the process that by the time they were junior seniors, man, they were stud players for us. I think a lot of it has to do, you know, with with the, with the culture we have at Gar and the culture we developed in the middle schools. And those kids, the, the jersey, the black and silver, man, it means everything to them. And like I said, once again, it goes back to building relationships. If, if you believe those kids, call those kids out by the first name, man, it means something to them. They'll never forget it. Man, they'll work their tail off for you. You know, it's interesting that you talk about what it means for those middle schoolers. Um, 
and, and I and I've pulled up videos of your of what you've posted on Twitter about and just seeing those those young kids sprinting into the weight room and and just you know executing with efficiency and, and a sense of urgency that you know I, I want to try and instill uh, where I'm at at Hendrickson, but I think that that's the goal for a lot of coaches particularly not just at their varsity level and with their top elite kids, but even at the lower levels, like that sense of urgency, the the use of time uh, of being efficient and getting stuff done. You know, I remember you talking about how you spend time um, teaching the freshmen, like how to rack, how to unrack, the, the rotations and all that. And I remember trying to impart that uh, with the freshmen this year. And, and I think we got progressively better uh, as the year has gone on, but, you know, on the same, on the flip side, you know, these freshmen haven't been in a full school setting for a full year for two plus years, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, they've been, they've been some of the most knuckleheadest freshman i don't even know if that's a word but we're going to use it you know because that's about all you can express to them and everybody understand like oh yeah i know exactly what you're talking about they take being a freshman to a whole new level um because of that you know and so trying to get them to work with a sense of urgency when they have not had to work with any kind of urgency it, it, it was it was a chore in and of itself so how have you guys been able to instill that culture at the middle school you know because i and i'm not sure how denton isd is set up but you know you have another powerhouse in denton ryan high school um you know so what what is it or how are, how is it set up for you guys that you can instill that culture to where they want to go and be a denton guy or wildcat and, and wear the black and silver versus you know denton high denton ryan broswell or any of those other schools up there yeah well, it, first it starts off with having some amazing coaches at that level. Uh, you know, we have two true feeders in Crowver and um, Harpool, and they pretty much feed up all of uh, South Denton. But, you know, Robbie Newton, who's at Crowver and his staff, and Kenny Howe, who's at Harpool, man, if they didn't buy into anything that, that I'm trying to teach or trying to instill, it wouldn't be possible. But uh, they do – they've always – consistency is key we've had them in our system for a long time you know they've had some assistants move in and out but those two guys have been key and uh, like I said without them it wouldn't be possible but as far as building the middle schools I think a lot of people make the mistake of putting priorities and things that are not right like loading weight Um, you know for us load is the last thing we're worried about to me it's it's instilling the standard and the culture and like I'm glad you said sense of urgency because, you know, when I send out, uh, I, I communicate with the middle school coaches weekly and like the main goal, number one in that email every single week is develop sense of urgency. Sense of urgency is number one priority. Um, Cause to me, time is money and we don't have time to waste. And if, and if you get your kids to understand that, then they get out of the mentality that this is working out more of training training means you're you're doing something for a purpose you're not just going through the motions so we have no time that we waste but um you know how do we develop sense of urgency uh trying to get one to get those kids that 
you know, hustle from the classroom to uh, the locker room and get changed and get ready to train. Uh, it's kind of the first thing we do. Uh, not now, <laughs> you have to be careful that because when you tell those kids to hurry up, they're knocking people over in the hallways. But you know, it, it creates a, some energy. Like it makes training fun when you have kids that that hustle that want to get there quickly. Um, you know, <laughs> be at the middle schools, you also might have to teach them how to tie the shoes and stuff to speed that process up. But, um, you know, like I said, since urgency is a top priority, whether they're outside or in the weight room, there's a certain time that they have to be ready to roll. Um, you know, and if they don't get there, then we make them rehearse it over and over again. Like, you know, get back on the hallways, <laughs> get your clothes back on, go back on the hallways, all right, go back in, change, like doing stuff that just gets on their nerves. Like, if y'all can't handle this, then, you know, we're going to treat you like elementary kids. Um, you have to earn the right to get in that weight room. It's not, I'm not going to just give it to you. So, I mean, we've got seven years to develop these kids. So why do we need to be in a rush? Um, and, you know, after a while, you know, we've talked about, you know, running into the weight room, going through the process of how to set up quickly and efficiently. And it's another thing, like if, if they don't do it within a certain time, then we make them do it again three or four times. And we make it a priority. And it comes to a point where they understand how important it is. You know, like we'll get in, finally get into a workout. And, uh, you know, we may only get one thing done that day. We may just go over a clean technique. We may get a front squat in. And then you kind of remind them, like, would y'all like to do more? And, of course, they do. They, I mean, they want to get – they want to look better in the mirror. So, uh, they say, yeah, well, I want to get better. Well, then we got to be more efficient coming in. And you make them hungry. And when you make them hungry, man, they'll, they'll do the little things to get – take care of the big stones, if that makes sense. No doubt, man. I, I, you know, that's, I think that's the fine line where programs can flirt with being really good or staying average or, you know, getting that culture shift from the losing mentality to 500 or better is, is understanding that it's okay to not get through the full lift if you are trying to instill that foundation. You know, you're yeah. trying to build the sense of urgency and, and create the environment to where things are earned and you you want to be in the presence of, of the weight room or you want to, you know, do certain things in practice or whatnot. Um, you know, and, and so it's that's definitely something that I know I can improve on in terms of, of trying to urge, uh, not just our, our coaches, but our kids to, to push that sense of urgency. You know, um, we're, <clears throat> we're not as I personally am not as entrenched in the, in the middle school level as I'd like to be. Um, you know, one of the issues for our district is just seemingly the ease of, of transfer. Um, even at the junior high level, um, you know, so we, we, we have feeders, but it's kind of hard to develop true feeders. We also haven't had guys, uh, consistently stay, um, you know, under this is only my second year at Hendrickson and I hope to be able to stay, you know, at that place for a long time. If things work out that way, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to establish myself in a place, uh, the way that you establish yourself at Geyer and, uh, but I, I think regardless, you know, if you if we're 
if we come into work and we, we really are pur- purposeful, you know, and instill that part, I, I think it'll trickle down. And you know, so hopefully I can, I can work a little bit more with those junior high kids, but you know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't notice that our, our, we hosted a track meet and uh, the way in which we interacted with the kids and, and having the coaches express appreciation for that, you know, like you said, talking to them and, and not even, you know, we didn't necessarily know all their first names, but just spending time congratulating them at the finish line. I think it's, it's huge, it's huge. building those relationships. Yeah. And they'll never forget that stuff. Uh, you know, another aspect I was, I was kind of thinking about, you know, with, you know, I don't want to, I don't want discipline to be done in the wrong way. You know, I don't want them to hate training. I think training should be fun and to make it fun for them. I think you slowly but steadily give them what they want. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a big uh, rep on the whistle type of guy that drives me nuts. Like I think about me personally, when I train, um, man, I want some music loud. I want some good energy. You know, I don't, I can't do the quiet, just on cadence type of things. So, you know, with them, you may give them like a dose of like a little bit of music, not a whole lot. I mean, you, you've got to go through a lot of things to get to that point, you know, learning technique, learning how to come in the room. It takes a while before you even turn the radio on, but then, you know, you want it to be a place that they want to come back to a lot. So you have to create that atmosphere and that environment and you give them a little taste of music and you, you don't, for a while you've got the chain on them a little bit. Like you, you're uh, first rep, first set. But slowly but steadily, you start to give them more and more freedom. And I think the more autonomy that they have, then the more they buy into it. But, you know, the biggest thing is is making training fun. Don't – I think there's a wrong way to punish kids. I don't think wearing them out by doing 100,000 push-ups or, or burpees is the answer. Um, kind of like what I said earlier, you know, if they're not doing something right, then I make them do it over and over again to learn what's right. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you 100%. Um, burpees is perfectly fine for me as a, as a disciplinary punishment tool because I don't know anybody that likes doing them, but there is, right. a, <laughs> there is a time. There's and a place. fine line. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, but, but you're right. You know, it's hard to, to in, in my opinion, and I think you'd agree with me on this. It's hard to punish a kid when you haven't, explicitly explained it as a coach or you haven't demonstrated it enough and so the minute that that kid does it wrong and you punish them everything else is out the window because all that they know right there and then is i can't even do it right or coach can't even explain it to me right and i'm being punished so if he don't know how to do it right how does he expect me to do right? Cause these kids are going to smell the BS faster than anything. No doubt. No doubt. You know, I think, uh, I don't know if I've got this from Saban or, you know, our old DC, he was a big guy that, that loves Saban. But one of the things that I picked up from him that he taught me was you have to have clearly defined expectations. You have to communicate to, to your kids, you know, what, you know, if, if you're going to be late, you know, what can you do to help yourself? Like, I make it big on our kids. Like everybody's got a cell phone. If for some reason you're going to be talking to a teacher before training, you need to send a text. Say, hey, this is what's up. You know, that, and that directly correlates to real life. Like you're going to have to be accountable to your boss one day or, or your wife or, 
whatever. I mean, I, I'm not going to punish you. There's some things like being high school kids or middle school kids, there's some things you can't control. You can't control rides. Um, you can't control whether a teacher pulls you in, but you sure as heck can control that cell phone and communicate with me. And, you know, like what you were saying, like you have to be the example. Because if you're sitting there preaching to them, but you ain't living that life, then man, ain't nobody going to follow you. No doubt, man. Well, speaking of, of following, um, you know, you have a, a pretty big following when it comes to the grid. Uh, and I've heard a lot of different people reference you in terms of the grid. How did you kind of come about what that is? And, and just kind of, can you give a, a relatively short description of, of a simple thing that has so many layers um, you know, we, we could go in for hours on the grid itself, but, um, you know, how did that kind of come about? What is it? And, you know, where can people kind of find more information on it? So, you know, I'm going to be real, like Brian Keggins, uh, the guy that I worked with forever, uh, he was actually the originator of the grid, uh, when we were at Geyer. Um, we had spent a lot of time, you know, Lauren Landau had a big influence, on us as far as movement and i think early on we wanted to somehow implement a way to teach basic basic movement patterns uh so the kids can learn and for the most part as much as they play they know things but i think there's certain biomechanical rules that you have to teach you know how to accelerate how to decelerate shin angles uh foot position base sport in relation to center mass stuff that that needs to be taught you know there's some kids that are higher level athletes that can do a lot of things and multitask and there's kids who can't wipe their nose and breathe at the same time and i think the grid so here's how it originated so we wanted to have stations where a coach was in charge of progressions of shuffling in charge of acceleration linear uh how to how to decelerate come to balance like we're going to have a station for each movement right well the problem is you know Coach A is in charge of shuffling, but he's not here this week. Uh, he's gone doing something. So our biggest worry was, you know, are the kids being taught the same verbiage they were last week? Is the same progression being taught? Or is it just all sorts of chaotic communication? We're not all on the same page. So, you know, Brian came up with the idea of the grid where it's basically a movement classroom. It's a way for one coach to manage, you know, 60 to 80 athletes at one time to teach uh, movement and make sure that, you know, kind of see on the same page is are the athletes moving? What do we really need to focus on working on? You know, uh, know, maybe they're really great at shuffling, but you know, they know how to shuffle while mirroring another, another body. Uh, But it's just kind of a way to kind of, for us to monitor our athletes progression and to teach basic movement patterns. Uh, I love it, man. You know, it's, it's been something that uh, I've reached out to you about and I've shown our OC and, you know, kind of trying to look at, you know, look at implementing some of that into our, our next phase and cycle. Yeah. Uh, and maybe even going into the summer. Cause I, I see the application of it and I see what you guys are doing with big numbers and it's effective. Obviously yeah. it takes time. You got to have coaches buying into it and then you got to be able to have them execute it to the kids and then the kids buy into it. Um, Cause I think, you know, sometimes when you're, 
when you're the guy making the programs and running the show, at times that can just be kind of thrown to you and everybody else kind of takes a step back. And in reality, you need them to almost eclipse you to an extent in terms of at least their energy and their attention to detail so that what you're trying to convey is further enhanced you know yeah it can't just be you doing it all right you know right the weight room is not just one position it's different when you're coaching your position guys yeah you want that to be you as part of the whole picture but the weight room is is like missy always says it's a living classroom you know Mm -hmm. we've got so many different kids and their abilities um yeah you guys have them and you're training them up but the uncontrollables of, of human evolution is puberty, right? Like when is a kid going to hit it? When is it not going to hit? Um, right. Restarting school, over once he hits it. Oh yeah. And then high school relationships, you know, you have your breakups and they don't eat, they don't sleep. I mean, there, there's so many different things that come into play every single day that are so far out of our control as coaches you know, it, it really it, it's important that everybody's buying in on on that, you know, and it's I think it's great that certain coaches are going to be more or certain coaches might be better fit to you to be to coach that portion of the progression. And I think it's great that you build coach autonomy there. But like you're saying, if somebody's out, you know, um, especially if you're coaching two and three sports at certain schools and you know baseball is out of tournament soccer's out of tournament and tracks about to leave for a meet you know on a thursday or friday like you might have three guys to run 60 kids yeah and you know with that being said you know you want to put more coaches in charge of things because it it gives them buy-in and uh i think early on when we started doing the grid it was more of a cluster of movements like is basically kind of going off Brian and I's minds, kind of like what we wanted to teach, but a whole lot of people didn't know how to implement it. And I think over the course of years, you know, doing, you know, going to clinics and talking about it and, you know, some staffs come by and talk about it. I've tried to do a better job of developing a very simple system that any coach could implement in their program and they kind of run with it as they go. But, you know, kind of make it simple. Um, I've kind of broken these main categories, but, you know, it's going to start out, the warm-ups kind of bleed into it. Uh, I've started implementing the last year or two. Uh, I've started listening a lot to Bobby Stroop, who's who's mind-blowing, man. He, he knows so much great stuff about movement and training athletes that uh, he, he talks about his eight-point vectors and his locomotion complexes. Uh, I tried to talk about this at the Texas High School Coach Association this past summer. It was a cluster because the microphone was terrible, and I doubt anybody can hardly hear me. But um, we we assume that our kids know how to hop, skip, jump, and do those in combinations. And you'd be amazed by how many kids can't. Um, you think about how long it takes a coach to have to teach a kid how to triple jump. You know whose fault is that? Is it maybe possibly the PE teachers? So you know as we as we warm up for the grid, we start implementing locomotion complexes where we're doing some basic movement patterns that require walking, that require running, shuffling, uh, hops and leaps. 
And then a combination of those that eventually we build to a progression. And this is all following what Bobby Stroop does, I think. I'm trying to mirror it, and I'm still trying to learn. But uh, we start to get to a point where we start working asymmetrical patterns where the right leg is doing something totally opposite the left leg, and we're starting to develop more of a movement bandwidth. Uh, we're not having athletes being one-trick ponies can only do one thing. But like I tell our lineman kids, I want y'all to be as athletic as possible. I want y'all to be able to multitask. I want you to use your peripheral vision and being aware of where your body is in space. And we expose them to these patterns. And I think it's helped them develop as an athlete and helped with their movement progression. But we'll start off with that. And then um, we'll then prog uh, progress into accelerations. And these accelerations are typically only about five-yard accelerations. And these accelerations are typically just a static start. And we'll do a linear acceleration from you know, a falling start or, or a, a split stance start or a kneeling start where we're just going to work on understanding how shin angles help projection. And we'll do the same thing from a, a lateral position where we push off the trail leg and point with the lead leg. Because, uh, you know, athletes, you know, we do, we do sprint work, acceleration work on Mondays when we primarily do uh, max velocity stuff on Wednesdays. But in the athletic realm, athletes sprint in all dimensions. So I think it's important that you put athletes in the situation where they learn how to, they have to excel in, in different variations, but you know, we'll do a, a linear, some type of linear every day. We'll probably two reps of five yards or something. Uh, like I said, from a static position, we'll do a lateral acceleration. We'll do a, some type of rotational turn acceleration, and then eventually bleed into some type of a curve run. And then we go from that static position, the way we progress it is then adding movement to it. So, I'll be jogging up and then I accelerate linear uh, or I shuffle, then I accelerate or uh, walk forward and then turn 180 and accelerate in the opposite direction. And then uh, maybe then I add another variation where I'm now chasing somebody that causes me to accelerate. But, you know, every grid session starts with acceleration. We work some type of deceleration. And then I want to work uh, some type of transitional movement where this is where you can be endless. Like you could think of any pose drill pattern that you could think of and implement it during the transitional period where you may have to sprint, shuffle sprint, or whatever you can think of. And then regardless of what we do in the grid every single day, I want something that's going to transfer to the field. So what transfers? One-on-ones, two-on-ones, two-on-twos, some type of live game where I have to learn to read the speed of another player or I have to mirror a player or I have to avoid a player or, or something where there's some type of game built in. And I think that's made it easier for us to implement the grid in other programs. And it, it's an easy way for us that we've implemented the grid in our middle schools. I love it, man. Because, you know, at the end of the day, just like what you said, if what you're doing in training, whether it's speed or acceleration development or, you know, in the weight room, if it doesn't translate to the field, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Exactly what you said earlier too is, you know, time is time is money, and, and there's only a there's a finite amount of it, you yep. know. And, and for you guys to try and repeat as state champions, like the clock's ticking, and you know you're you're you guys have the target on your back, right? Everybody else is chasing y'all because y'all want it. So nobody. Well, uh, we didn't win it this year. We actually we lost West like again, but. I wish that would have happened, but we're definitely going after this year. <laughs> yeah. But at the at the same time, you know, you're 
you, you guys you guys are more of the the hunted not the hunters per se but you got to try and instill that that hunter mentality and if you're not using training to promote that then you know you like you said you're wasting your time you have no staying power yep no doubt yeah. no doubt so you talked about you presenting at, at THSCA and, and um, you know, I thought you did a, a, as, as great a job as you possibly could with, with the mic issues, man. And that was, that was something else, oh, you know, but. That was such a cluster. I was so aggravated <laughs> after that. And I had, I had this thing all planned out and it was the worst environment to, to speak in. And I walked out of that thinking, man, I just wasted everybody's time. No, but you know what, man, you know, I, I know I took stuff out of it and I guarantee you others took stuff out of it too. Um, and I don't think anybody faults you for, for that. And, you know, if there's somebody from THSCA that, that ever hears this, um, you know, hopefully they give you another chance to, to redo it and do it, you know, and, and make sure that your, your audio works well, but you know, <laughs> what did it, what was the process for you in terms of, uh, preparing to speak or, or any time that you're asked to speak, whether it's in football or strength conditioning, how do you, how do you get yourself ready to present? Um, Cause I don't know that there's exactly, there's not necessarily a game plan of how to do it. Right. You, it's not like you can go to somebody. I mean, I guess you can, but you probably got to pay for it. You know, but you you can call somebody up and ask them about four two five three four defensive stuff. You can ask them for, you know, how do I how do I work this linear progression or how do I work this shin angle progression? You know, it's like you can call and ask and find those people. But how do you prepare yourself to present in front of your peers and try to do the best you can? You know, because like you said, people have come to visit you guys about what you're doing, and so they obviously know who you are and they, and they reference the things that you do. So you have that kind of pressure plus the pressure you put on yourself to do your absolute best. So, you know, when I first was asked to speak in, uh, in Deer Park in Houston, coach Doug Bull gave me the opportunity. I'm eternally grateful to him for that because he helped me grow as a coach. But when I went into that first talk, you know, I thought about, you know, when I go to a clinic and I listen to somebody, what has always been the good talks and what's been the ones I've walked away with saying, I wish I would have walked out of that sooner. So to me, it, it's always been about, you know, I want to learn how to cook. I don't want you to tell me everything. Like, I don't want you to tell me philosophy. Don't, I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about me and I don't spend a whole lot of time talking philosophy. I want to give you the meat potatoes. I want to give you the, like, teach you how to cook. So I want to keep it very simple. Um, you know, you look on social media, what, what's most of the social media uh, bait that you see out there? It's just simple plans. Um, you know, people have a system. Uh, I talk about the ins and outs, but then I talk about, you know, how do I do it? Like if I had a regular day, you know, what would be the process of warm up? You know, what am I looking for? Some coaching points um, and, and not just try to overkill it with about stuff that people don't want to hear about. Uh, so. You know, when I talked about the grid, you know, I've asked around some people like, you know, if I was to speak about the grid, what would you want to listen to or what would you want to get out of it? And it seems to always go back to, you know, the what is and how's, how you do it, uh, you know, how do you progress it? Uh, um, but I don't think it, nothing should be a secret. 
you know, the way I run the grid versus somebody else runs the grid. You know, I can give you all the answers, but there's still going to be two variations of it because we're not the same coach. But, you know, it all it all goes back to, you know, not having an ego. Listening to, you know, Tommy Moffat just throwing it all out there for us. Like, you know, he paid it forward. So I feel like it's my right to try to share as much knowledge as I can about what I know and try to to share everything we do, if that makes sense. No doubt, man. But, and I think it's important too that you're wanting to be so open about it because there are some guys that would close off and, and kind of withhold that. Um, but I think you, you'd be of the mindset where it's not yours to withhold. Right. And, and it, you know, honestly, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about the coaches. It's about who we're trying to help in the first place. Right. We're trying to build, you know, athletes and kids who you never know. It, it's about them. No doubt, man. I, and I think that's extremely important because there there is a fine line at times between putting out stuff, uh, but then also trying to, you know, make it a little bit more worth your while in terms of, of paying for the content, you know, because I think there is there is a level to it, um, you know, and I think everybody kind of has their, their point in which they say it's okay to give it for free, but then after a while I might need to charge for it. So have you ever thought about, you know, making these coach two videos or creating a, a Kyle keys, Brandon Kagan grid? Um, I don't know if anybody uses coach's choice anymore, but you can just create a, a Patreon type deal, you know, and, but I, I would think that there might even be a market for it where guys can get, you know, deeper into it, you know, but on the other side, is it worth your time to do that? that and that's always like that, that opportunity has come up before about, I think it was championship productions asked me to come in and do something like that. You know, my biggest thing is, is time. I ask so much of my family, you know, for me to be away and I hate doing things, it's going to take time away from them even more. Um, you know, especially here's, here's another concept, but you know, when I, when I, when I share that information, how quickly does it become outdated? You know, I don't do the same grid that I was doing two years ago. It's different now. So, I mean, somebody's going to watch something from five or 10 years ago and think I'm an idiot because of the stuff I had. I'm like, it's a, it's a continually growing organism. It's, it's not the same, but you know, really the top priority is, is my family. I don't want to take, if it's going to take a whole lot of time, probably not going to do it. Um, but it's definitely, if I want to share it, I typically, if a coach asks about it, I will send PDF versions of it uh, just to kind of help them out a little bit, kind of give their, their wheels spinning. And then, you know, if a coach wants to learn more, if they're just asking for the answers, that's all they're going to get. If they really want to learn, they'll reach back out and ask more and more questions. And I'm more than willing to help somebody out. But, you know, you also think about, yeah, I could probably make some money off of it. But, I mean, is it really anything that I'm doing original? You know, it's it's stuff that Ian Jeffries has been doing. Ryan Ojeda comes up with a lot of stuff. Cam Jossie, Nick DeMarco, you know, Lauren Landau. There's, I'm, I'm, a lot of the stuff we do is not originally from us. It's, it's collected ideas from other people. 
but like you, like I said, it's primarily time away from my family that keeps me from really doing that stuff. Well, I'm very grateful of what you've done, you know, not just for me, but for, for the coaching profession in general and what you continue to do, man. I think it's, it's awesome. And, um, you know, I hope people truly realize the value that you, that you're providing to them and, 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 you know, doing it for free and, and, you know, coming onto a podcast and talking a little bit more about it and, you know, all the, all that stuff, I think it's, it's important, you know, at the end of the day, we all got into coaching for a reason and we can probably point to a couple of people um, that got us into it. And the biggest reason is they were paying it forward through us. And so it's, it's our job to pay it forward uh, whether it's through the information that we're providing or just, you know, taking time out to send somebody an email response on, on a question they have, you know, it's, you just never yeah. know. Like you talked about, you, you never know who might take that information and turn it into something even greater. Mm -hmm. uh, the same way you talked about those kids and, and, you know, kind of wondering if they would ever be able to help us. And here you go. And you're, you know, you can say these kids were contributors because they bought in. So, you know, if you can have a small part in somebody else's success by just simply giving them a response um, and, and sharing something, I, I think that's ultimately the greatest thing that we can do for this profession. No doubt. No well, doubt. Kyle, man, it's been a, been an honor. I'm, I'm so glad that we finally got the, the solo episode. Um, you know, we'll, we'll keep tabs and, and see if you can eclipse uh, the man, the myth, the legend that is Monty Sparkman. Yeah, that's hard to do. I don't know if that's going to be possible. <laughs> oh, man. We have, to, we have to do another episode just to catch up to a quarter of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he'll end up getting a, a, another solo episode uh, to talk powerlifting. He and I have, have talked about that. But uh, if people don't already know, man, where can they find uh, find you and, and how can they get a hold of you if they had more questions, whether it's about you know the weight room, the grid, um, football that we didn't even get into, but just, you know, you're a wealth of knowledge and, um, you know, if they want to come shake your hand and get a picture at THSCA <laughs> coaching school this summer. Yeah. I don't know if they want to after that last, uh, convention we had, but, um, you know, I used to be pretty, uh, busy on social media. I've kind of like backed off quite a bit. Um, but you know, I have a Twitter. It's, I think it's, uh, K keys is my Twitter, uh, username uh i don't hardly spend any time on instagram uh but probably twitter's the best way they can email me kkees at dentonisd.org and if uh they want to get in further details you know they can reach me out on email and get on a phone call and talk through things no doubt well i'll make sure that that stuff's in the show notes and you know if anybody wants to reach out i, I strongly encourage you to reach out to kyle and you know, don't, don't be upset if he doesn't respond to you right away. Uh, the man's busy trying to win a state championship and, and spend time with his family. And, um, but I, I, I really want to say, I appreciate, uh, the friendship that we've been able to establish since last summer, man, it means a lot to, uh, to be able to say that I can call you a friend and, um, you know, when, when somebody like Monty, uh, welcomes you into the fold, it, it's a big deal. And, um, to get to know somebody like you, man, it's, it's awesome. So I appreciate all that you've done for me, whether you realize it or not. And 
thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk. And man, it's been awesome getting to know you. And uh, we need to meet up sometime, get another lift session in. But uh, man, I appreciate you, everything that you're doing with this podcast and uh, what you're doing on social media with the uh, the chalk talk and stuff. And man, you're spreading the good news everywhere. There is some good high school strength conditioning coaches out there. We're not all idiots. Yeah. No, we're not. There's some good ones out there, and you're you're definitely one of the best ones to go talk to. Appreciate it, man. Thank you again.